Freeport's Tradition newspaper at three years old. My wife, Linda, and I started Freeport's Tradition newspaper 28 years ago, I guess. And uh, I've been, I was raised and born up on the uh, north fork of the Kentucky River on what's called the Boone Fork, right at the headwaters of the river. At one time or another, I've lived, fished, and hunted all up and down north fork of the Kentucky River, lived in Perry County for a while on the railroads, and, and then on down to Lee County in 54, I guess. We we owned the old family farm down in Lee County. We just moved back here finally in 54. We'd come down and spend summers down here and all. And I can remember my grandfather laying a spearhead in my hand. And I thought that was the most marvelous thing I ever was, especially when he told me he found it out in the garden. You know, I'd seen a couple of people brought to school, and I, I couldn't wait till I could own a couple of those things. You know, And every spare minute when I had as a kid, I would run up down the hills and across these river bottoms and stuff looking for this stuff. And uh, we've got quite well, showcases to pull down at the museum. Uh, my mother's people were the Tollers and the Trail of the Lonesome Pine Tollers. Uh, Dad's lunch of Smith's. My dad was Bob Smith. My grandpa was Bob Smith. And great grandpa was John Smith after he finally killed the three foes of North Carolina and left out in the light of the moon. Come up to Knox County, changed his name to uh, uh, John Smith. He was John Brandon first, and after he killed these guys, he come up there and changed his name to John Smith. But uh, you have a tradition that goes all the way back. I'm tracing mom's people back 1457 in the Duke of Venice, and they had these city state wars. The Tollers all lost, and they had to get the heck out of there. They went to Scotland, Ireland, and mostly became soldiers of fortune, that sort of thing. We've been doing much of that ever since then. Uh, in World War II, my one grandpa, my dad, seven uncles served in World War II. Wow. I just mulling that over with the death of Booty Jones there. I kind of see how many World War II vets was left. There's probably four or five left in Lee County, so no one. And uh, I've got one uncle, and he and my dad served in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam. And, uh, to me, preserving the military tradition is important. That's why you have the veterans wall down here. And uh, I'd like to just mention something about that veterans wall because there's so many things I've written. I've just calculated my head when I came in here. Uh, I have written thousands thousands of stories, editorials and all that. But that veterans wall is up there for one reason. We started talking about it. We built a veterans memorial on top of the hill. And uh, there was an old gentleman who lived at St. Hill. His wife came to me one day and said, Bob, is there anything you can do for him? She said, I've lived with this man. This is one of the best men that I ever knew. But she said, he has grieved all his life because he did not serve in combat. He felt guilty about it in World War II. And I got to looking and talking and all this. This poor old guy had a hole in his heart and she'd run a stove pipe through. And he had tried to enlist over and over. They wouldn't take him. Well, finally last year or so of the war, they took him. And they put him in a hospital, empty in bedpans and all that sort of stuff. And that was just a... a, a a form of shame for him the way he felt about it. He was ashamed when these old vets would get together and talking about it, you know, he was always ashamed 
of what he had done, and uh, there's no fault of his own. When you go into the military, it's not your fault that the military don't send you somewhere to get killed for crying out loud. <laughs> but when I, with the committee, all met, we talked about that wall. And there, you know, a lot of people here do not realize that was the first wall of memorial this kind in the United States. It's dedicated to anybody in the county that ever served in the military. Most of these veteran walls and stuff are just for people who killed in combat or served in a war or anything. But I said, we'll build this wall as long as anybody that has ever served in the military in any capacity can be on that wall. That's why it is the way it is. Uh, down there over the weekend, we were, uh, I was doing some measuring. I'm going to put a new monument up there going up the hill there. It's going to be black granite like what I've got up in front of the museum. But it's mostly just going to be to identify the park and various branches of the services cool there. People have no idea of the history that's on that wall there. There you've got Lieutenant James McGuire and died in the Battle of Blue Leaks, the last Battle of the American Revolution. And from all that we could determine there, he was killed while trying to save Daniel Moon's son of Israel's life. So, uh, there are people like old man Clay Cable, some few people remember him here, you know, and kind of an old rough looking billy goat like some of the rest of us around here. But Clay used to laugh and tell me, he said, when I was a boy, he said, Bobby, I crawled all the way from Omaha Beach to the Elm River to shake hands with the Russians. They was uh, 2,000 men in his battalion when he hit Omaha Beach, his eight of them survived. And uh, you've got stories just like that over and over and over. And uh, the museum is full of those stories up there. Every piece that's displayed in there for the most part has a story. And I've been a pack rat most of my life collecting up this the stuff, but uh, we've got General James Little there. He served with Clarence and all the Flying Tigers. Uh, he was double fighter ace, World War II, Korea. He had the honor of shooting down the first two communist planes over Korea. He grew up on Walker's Creek, walked us all the way to St. Helens to go to high school down there, and then went to the University of Kentucky. And uh, he was one of the founders, one of the eight founders of the U.S. Air Force. Uh, Lee County has just such a rich tradition. Uh, Lily Kincaid's dad, Carter, we've got his saddle blanket hanging there in the museum. That saddle blanket was on his horse when he was chasing Pancho Villa down on the border, long before World War One. There's seven presidential signatures there in the museum. One of them is uh, Herbert Hoover. He sent a picture and a letter to Car uh, Carter thanking him for his service in World War One. I have got one of only two original hard copies in existence of the original draft for World War One. Now, there's some folks in some other counties that's got different stories, but I've got the book that tells the story. In World War One, there was 32 counties in the United States that did not have to resort to a draft. In other words, they got enough enlistments. People were patriotic enough, they went and enlisted to fill enough to fill their quotas, and they did not have to resort to a draft. Now, Lee County just made it for two, but two is as good as mine. But in, out of that 32 counties in the United States, eight of those counties were in Kentucky, and Lee County was one of those counties. 
Lee County was one of them. Johnson County was one of them. I think Whitley County, and I remember. I won't mention the folks that claim that honor that wasn't on that. <laughs> <laughs> the books don't lie, but that, that's just a sampling of Lee County's history. 